2: Campaign is being funded by some Islamic group in Nigeria. We have more on this particular story now. Also, don't patronize unaccredited programs run by some public universities. That's the call from the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission as it emerges that despite concerns raised by the Auditor General, KNUS still has over 360 unaccredited courses, leaving Parliament furious.
3: Okay, so the question was okay. simple. Specifically about the diploma programs, the majority of diploma programs in the university are no longer on offer. We have we have phased them out and so we do not offer
2: those programs. The university say the situation is beyond them, but the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission says the excuse is untenable now um, we'll be getting into details with all of these stories and more here on the pulse we're live around the world on myjoyonline.com on dscv channel 421 and go tv on channel 125. my name is samuel kojo brace it's an honor to serve you with a pulse Uh, the Public Accounts Committee of Parliament is unhappy with the continuous running of unaccredited programs by almost all public universities. Uh, as of today, the Kwame Nkwame University of Science and Technology has over 300 programs yet to be accredited. That's according to the Vice-Chancellor, Professor Rita Akosia-Dixon, responding to audit findings before the Public Accounts Committee. Most of the programs are at various stages of accreditation, describing it as an unfair suggestion for such programs to be stopped.
4: Currently, we have more than 500 programs. And as we speak, we have about over 140 um, accredited, but and some of them at various stages of accreditation. For example, I'm able to report, honorable chair, that um, We've been working very closely with GTEC to be able to ensure that these programs are accredited. Currently, as we speak, we have over 100 programs that we are expecting GTEC to mobilize and put together faculty to come and review on our campus. Thank you. Madam, please, the auditors ask that you cease running programs that are not accredited. Have you stopped? A number of them are re-accreditation programs. So you are running the program, the, person, the student gets to third or fourth year, then the accreditation period expires. You don't just, in the middle of it, cease running the program. Anaboche. This is a very serious matter because
5: parliament was petitioned Hello. by some students just about a month ago, regarding their eligibility to enter the Ghana School of Law because of matters like this. Accommodation is a problem on campus. They are struggling to pay. And when they pay, the students are studying the program they are studying.
4: Auditors are saying that they are not accredited. Which All the sentiments that have been expressed, we are together on this. A lot of efforts have gone into accreditation.
5: Nancy, I think you are defending everything. As a committee,
4: Uh, we are not happy. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I'm sorry that you are not happy, but my assurance as Vice-Chancellor, we are doing everything we can.
2: Now, authorities of the University of Ghana say they have taken steps to ensure the accreditation of some of the school's programs listed as unaccredited in the 2021 Auditor General's Report. Speaking at the Public Accounts Committee on Tuesday, Registrar Emilia E.J. Minson said the university has made sure 60 out of 80 undergraduate programs are now accredited. Listen to the interaction between her and the Vice Chairman of the Public Accounts Committee, Samuel Atamels.
3: After we um, had these um, audit responses, we've put in place a lot of measures. So for instance, currently, we have a total of 132 programs, or should I say we have a total of 220 programs in the whole university. We have put in place measures to ensure that um, all of these programs are properly accredited. Currently, we have 132 programs which are fully accredited and this cuts across all levels.
5: Madam, I'm sorry that I may come across as being rude, but I'm asking a specific question. But you want to give me a PhD thesis out here. 2021, the auditors came in for the undergraduate programs, 80 of them were not accredited. I'm interested in that 80 that was not accredited. What have you done about it? The 80 that you were audited and they were not accredited.
3: Mr. Chairman, what we have done is put in place systems to ensure that all of these 80 programs are properly accredited. How many of them have you
5: gone to get the accreditation for? The 80?
3: Mr. Chairman, out of the 80, I would say that currently we have 60 of the undergraduate programs fully accredited and the rest are in the process of being accredited.
5: Now let's go to the next one, postgraduate. You had 213 programs that were not accredited.
3: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. As part of the process, we have weeded out many programs that were no longer uh, being offered at the University of Ghana. So as I said, we have a total of 220 programs in all. So this figure of 213 postgraduate programs, half of them probably have been taken out because they are no longer offered at the University of Ghana and the remainder have uh, gone through the accreditation processes or are in the process of going through re-accreditation.
2: Now let's uh, go to the GTEC and speak to Mr. Jinapo who is with the commission and get uh, Professor Jinapo, Professor Ahmed Jinapo is with the commission. Let's try and get some more details. Now, Prof, I'm grateful to you for joining us here. Now, there should be a resolution to bring confidence in the uh, tertiary institution and the programs they run. Why are we still having issues with regards to the programs being accredited?
6: Well, I think, uh, first of all, a simple question, and a simple response to your question is that the institutions are not adhering to what the law is. Uh, As as you may recall, somewhere last year, we had these conversations around the non-accredited programs. Uh, we gave the universities the benefit of doubt because of where the commission was coming from uh, relative to the accreditation environment. That being, uh, as you are aware, we used to have what we call the National Accreditation Board, which was responsible for accrediting programs, and the National Council for Tertiary Education, which had oversight when it comes to policy formulation and policy direction relative to tertiary educational delivery. There were some problems. and. Government, in its wisdom, thought that it was necessary for them two institutions to be merged. So with that measure came into being GTEC. GTEC has been working with these institutions. And I must say, I mean, CARE UST has been extremely uh, supportive and forthcoming when it comes to adherence to accreditation. I've been working with the Vice Chancellor for all these years. for all these months to make sure that the backlog has been played. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, we've done a lot of clearance when it comes to the backlog. Where Mm -hmm. we have the problem, where we have the problem is that for some reason, institutions have this mentality that when you apply for accreditation, automatically you are going to be granted. So when you apply for accreditation, it doesn't mean that you are going to get accreditation. And the law is very clear. There's no middle ground you are either accredited or you are not. It's just like a driver's license. You go for a driver's license, you are issued a driver's license for you to drive, or you don't drive. You cannot be excused. On the premise that we've put in the application, the processes are ongoing, that is why we have all these unaccredited programs. I don't think it's, it's, it's pardonable, it's, it's inexcusable. But this is what the Commission is doing moving forward. The Commission is working as hard as it can to make sure that all programs are accredited. Henceforth, we are going to be publishing in the newspapers uh, 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 online all programs and centers that are not accredited. So if, uh, uh, under normal circumstances, you go on our website, the publication of programs that are accredited invariably means that those that are not published are not accredited. But we are taking a step beyond that. All programs that are not accredited, And are being run by institutions as evidence on their website. GTEC is going to publish them to conscientize the public to be wary of sourcing such programs. Because I think it's becoming too many, too much for us to be going back and forth when it comes to this whole concept or issue of accreditation. Accreditation is a quality assurance exercise. And uh, what is being done is a peer review exercise. (coughs) So I I do not (coughs) see why uh, individuals should rush to publish programs that have not been accredited, on the, on the assumption that uh, they are going to be accredited. Now, let me give you a quick example. On this issue of uh, existing programs that are going through the accreditation process, an accreditation uh, uh, letter being issued to an institution is very clear that you are supposed to start the process one year before expiration of what? That program. So I don't think uh, uh, it's excusable for us to say that within... Uh, uh the program is so what are we going to do with the students i don't i don't think i don't think that's the way to, we, we need to go mm. you need to start ahead of time and the okay. letter is very clear that you need to start one year ahead of the expiration of the program but, but, but so we, on, we have, on,
2: on on the yes. reaccreditation uh you know process how is that a concern when you've given them the permission to start but they have to re Apply to be re-accredited and they have not been able to that how is that a a, a major problem
6: it's a major problem just as i believe probably you have a passport Mm -hmm. they're given a passport for a certain period you use the passport within that period and when the passport is expired you go for renewal just as a driver's license or Mm -hmm. even the license that a joint is using to operate you go for renewal because we want to be sure that the infrastructure that you put in for you to be given accreditation is a system there are instances that you come in with a number of lectures, a number of facilities, you run for a period of three, five years, we come back, and you don't have anything to show for it. Mm. So reaccreditation is a necessity when it comes to quality delivery and quality assurance. There's okay. no doubt about it. And mm. I don't think the managers of the institutions are in any way more or less arguing about the need for it. Okay. But the, the issue here is that, Historically, institutions have not been adhering to the tenants of accreditation. And as I told you, the environment was one that was structured in a manner that whether you are accredited or not, you are not punished for that. But the law is very clear that unaccredited programs come with punitive actions to the extent that managers can be sent to prison. So we, 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 we would have to crack the whip. And the mm. consequences of non accreditation within this space currently is that. Following institutions are looking or checking for the accreditation status of uh, programs that are being run to the extent that, as one of the parliamentarians did indicate, we have instances where people have been denied scholarship or people have been denied admissions because they are checked to the fact that these programs are not accredited. So the onus lines on the managers of the institutions to take accreditation seriously. Okay. And as I said, uh, GTEC is going to name and shame. Uh, we We expect that the general public also adhere to our more or less caution and if you to name and shame uh we we expect that the general public also adhere to our more or less caution
7: and if you we spoke about it, we cried about it, but it was still in and so having deviated put on, uh, one one c d on, on rights, really is not going to be a big deal where we have to now cry so much about it. But my point is that, how are we going to see how much is coming from that point? And that's one of my major points.
8: Yeah, uh, accountability, but in terms of patronage of uh, ride-hailing apps, do you think it is going to have any potential impact? Do people really care about these things now? People do care about
7: it, but I mean, if you need the services, you would ignore it. I've, I've sort of had to psych with over the levy and pushing money in and out every time. I mean, I don't really care about the sort of part and parcel of me. And so, yes, you're going to have an uh, impacting level
9: of adaptation.
7: And propagation of programs that are not accredited, they themselves
6: uh, were for the law. Okay. So it's a collective responsibility, but it almost lies on the managers of the institutions. Very clear of the managers, let them understand and appreciate the importance of accreditation and the consequences that follow uh, without adhering to it. I think that is the first step that we, we, we want to establish. The, the issue of putting people in jail is not what we are... I mean, people have to buy into the whole idea of the need for accrediting. We don't want to be policing people. We want people to, to understand and appreciate the fact that, look, if you are not accredited, the quality of your program is not assured. That is exactly what we are doing so uh, i i think it's a gradual process
2: yeah yeah but uh, but, but, but prof, how long has that uh, particular law been in in existence
6: oh it was passed in uh, uh, 2020 the law was passed in august 2020 and uh, came into being proper in 2021 okay so we use 2021 2022 to, to do more or less uh, a conscientization of the general public mm-hmm. then okay. i've indicate, uh look uj ucc uh, 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 k The managers of these institutions have been very, very uh, 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 forthcoming and cooperative when it comes to uh, what we've been doing relative to accreditation. But we still have a lot to be done. Mm. And I think this this idea needs to sink. You cannot publish a program on the premise that I have applied for accreditation. If you apply for a job or you apply for admission into a school, there's no guarantee that we are going to be admitted. So, if you have applied for accreditation and the process is ongoing, you have no right to, act, to, 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 to more or less advertise or, or recruit students. Mm. And I must say, I must say that all those programs that are not accredited for which they are being run and we have students who are enrolled, I think the schools have to take responsibility for their uh, for their accreditation in terms mm. of uh, verification by whoever need those certificates. Last year, we assured students that uh, GTEC is a body that has the power and mandate to give accreditation, and by virtue of the uniqueness of the environment as at that time, we're going to take measures to give retrospective accreditation. Okay. But that was done in a manner of, uh, more or less, uh, on, a, on, on good faith, you know, uh, because we, 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 we were in a certain environment. But institutions continue to flout the law. Mm. Uh, institutions continue to to do what is wrong. I don't think we are going to bail them out. I think they will have to take responsibility for that.
2: Yeah, so so if we are not interested in making sure that we press criminal charges against...
6: I didn't say we are not interested. That wasn't what I said. Okay. Uh, In terms of the enforcement of the law, Mm -hmm. there are law agencies within the the, the framework of our legal architecture that prosecutes and ensure that the law is adhered to. Of okay. course, we will have to initiate it. Our, our point is that uh, our interest is for the managers and the stakeholders within the tertiary environment to understand and appreciate and properly situate accreditation within the context of this whole exercise. Okay. And one of those has to be the managers of these institutions. But, but, but
2: GTEC to... um, also sat and watched on for these universities to run these unaccredited programs for all this long, before the Auditor General came out. Why so, did that so, happen when okay, you were so, supposed to ensure that things were done in right, the, right, right, the right, right way?
6: So, so I, think, I think probably you did not get uh, uh, the historical uh, perspective that I put relative to this whole uh, discourse. Mm. That being... You asked me, when has g been in existence? And I you mentioned, G-Tech yeah. G-Tech came into being in 2020 on paper. Mm-hmm. In reality, g- in fact, as we speak, G-Tech is still in transition. It's still in transition. Mm. And the culture of accreditation prior to the coming into being of GTEC could best be described as non-existent. I mean, universities uh, were not uh, more or less subjecting themselves to any regulatory oversight?
2: I am aware that before 2020, there was a commission. Is it a national te- uh, tertiary At education national, commission? No,
6: national uh, 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 map, mm-hmm. uh, national accreditation board. Which, which, was,
2: national, what, which was which was overseeing some of these things, and we had a tertiary commission as well, which was yes. uh, ensuring uh, or regulating the, the tertiary institution. Yes. So. So how did this elude us when we had these institutions which were supposed to have done this job?
6: Yes, so so your question in itself is a response to why we are where we are because National Accreditation Board as well as the National Council for Special Education did not have the powers that are vested in GTEC today in terms of even sanctioning heads of institutions who do not adhere to the accreditation accreditation requirements. Okay. That was what brought up into being GTEC. So NAB by then had the power of accreditation, but it did not have any form of what enforcement. What, uh, uh, what did they call it? So that okay. is why we okay. are where we are. Okay. And 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 as you said, uh, why is GTEC not punishing these institutions? And my okay. response is that we have had a problem that has existed for all these while mm. You okay. cannot come and start jailing people okay. or putting people in cells when in actual fact the attitude to-
0: Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh yeah. Sign up at robinhood.com/boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you got- Investing
1: involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC. Member SIPC. accreditation
6: change? has been non-existent. Okay. So let's work very hard to get a buy-in. Let them understand the consequences of non-accreditation. In fact, as I did indicate, we won't be publishing in the newspapers programs and centers that are not accredited. I'm tempted to believe someone that, if you see in the publication that BSC economics at school A mm. is unaccredited, you will not venture to go and apply for it. Exactly, process. yes. So so it, it's, a, it's a step-by-step process.
2: Okay, we, all right. Prof. We
6: are working very hard to get there, but I must say, the managers of the institutions, have the ultimate responsibility okay. of making sure that the writing is
2: done. Okay, Prof. I'm so grateful to you for joining Thank us here, Prof. Ahmed Abdulai Janapo, is Deputy Director General of the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission. This as to the post. Now, let's go to the court now because the Court of Appeal has, in a unanimous decision, ruled that uh, the alleged prejudicial comment made by President Ekofuado at Asin North did not influence the decision of the High Court to hear the James Jati trial. On a day-to-day basis now the court has as a result given the green light for this mode of trial to continue the legislator has in the last few weeks set in motion multiple legal processes all in a bit to halt this court schedule the High Court yesterday opted to proceed with the case despite a pending process at the Court of Appeal on the same matter well the Court of Appeal has ruled that the judge acted within the law Legal Affairs Correspondent Joseph Akablai joins us via Zoom with more. Joseph, grateful for joining us here. First, tell us about the legal argument advanced by both sides.
10: The lawyers for James Jachit question were concerned. Uh, they said that there have been comments that have been made by the president and also the Attorney General and other ministers of state, which they believe are lends credence to their fear that there's a predetermined outcome. The conclusion being that James' question should be jailed at all cost, and they believe that it is the quest to achieve this aim that is what led a request to be made to the courts for a day-to-day hearing, and the courts granted that request, which they say feathers this particular predetermined agenda. And so they made a strong case, urging the courts that the court should put the trial at the high court on hold and determine the appeal whether there is merit in the request that it varies its decision. Uh, by the court to operate to this particular mode of court hearing. Uh, mm-hmm. The Attorney General disagreed strongly and pointed out that those comments were not relevant. Uh, Goffred Diego Adame said that what was before the court, on the day the court fixed its hearing, was a question of when it will hear its case again. And he says, every court has the power to determine how to regulate its proceedings. And so it is not within the, the pleasure of any individual to decide when and how the proceedings should be handled by a court mm. let's now talk about the ruling of the court the three-member panel by unanimous decision took the view that uh, they have not been convinced that the judge acted in any manner that is contrary to law and uh, they pointed out that are litany of supreme court authorities on this matter making reference to cases like the uh, republic Eugene money and also pointing out that after, afterwards there have been practice directions that have been issued that permits uh, the courts to have a hearing in in any manner which is not out of the way so the day-to-day hearing they said it's not contrary to that they again make their points that the comments that were made by the president and also uh, by the attorney general and other ministers of state were extrajudicial comments they were out of the court's premises mm. and it's they blew looked at the decision of the court and the court did not consider those comments in determining how to regulate its proceedings and so on that basis the court said it had not been convinced to exercise a discretion to put the trial at the high court or home Samuel all right now uh, let's still stay in court
2: because a nine-member Supreme Court panel presided over by Chief Justice Getry Tokono has dismissed the request that it halts Parliament's consideration of the anti-gay bill the court says it has not been convinced to issue such an order at this stage since the matter raised by uh, will be dealt with in the substantive case this is the court's decision a case filed by a researcher dr amanda odoy who is alleging parliament's work on the proposed law is in breach of the constitution dr odoy's legal team additionally withdrew the case of contempt filed against let's speak of parliament Joseph, Bley is still with me. And uh, Blake tell us about the argument advanced against
10: the bill and why the court was not convinced. I mean, the main issue they have with this bill is the fact that uh, they say that it's a private member bill and it imposes financial obligations on the state and the Consolidated Fund for that matter. And so they had filed for an injunction. You remember, they equally cited a Speaker of Parliament for contempt when uh, the court... And the Speaker of Parliament directed that the second reading of the of the bill should take place, even though and these process have been filed. And so when the court sat, the court took the view that, okay, it wants to determine the issue of the injunction first, because it's even the injunction that has been filed that has given rise to this whole issue about whether there's a contempt of court case against the Speaker of Parliament or not. And so the court dealt with the injunction first. And so the motion was moved, and they explained that they believe that because it imposes an obligation in the financial nature on the state, if parliament is allowed to continue with these processes, then it will mean that once that is done and the law comes into force and some resources are spent under the bill and eventually the court agrees with their view, what happens next? Who is supposed to refund to the state the money that the state has spent in executing this particular bill, even though it has now been found to be contrary to law? So that was the argument they made urging the courts to put the matter on hold. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the lawyer for the Speaker of Parliament, Thaddeus Suri, uh, informed the courts that the Speaker simply was performing his duties. He had a determination to make on uh, whether this is a bill that imposed financial obligation and has made an invitation a, a ruling mm-hmm. and, and is proceeding with the matter. Again, makes the point that as far as he's concerned, uh, in terms of the concerns that are being raised in this particular legal action, some of them have been raised at a committee level by the Attorney General. And the Attorney General, the committee in its report says that's incorporated those concerns. So he does not think that there is a case uh, to be made against them. And mm-hmm. the State Attorney who represented the Attorney General also took the same view. Uh, but the court, in its conclusion, uh, held that a case has not been made meriting it to exercise this unusual power to injunct Parliament from proceeding with its business. Uh, okay. Professor Tichwa main, who is one of the individuals, has been speaking against the bill. She was in court to support this case and she says she is disappointed by the decision of the courts.
3: This was always going to be difficult. This is a case of first impression. The courts are usually quite reluctant to interfere in another branch of parliament. So we're disappointed but this is not the end of it. What would
10: be your other option? Because now parliament has done a second reading.
3: Yeah, they they haven't considered the bill. there is also a substantive matter that we have filed before the supreme court so we'll be waiting for that case to be listed so we have a substantive the bill has not been passed so today all these issues were procedural it was about the manner in which it was being done but there are substantive issues about the content of the bill and we'll get to that later
2: joseph you're still with me in the earlier issue concerning james that equation was he in court himself
10: and uh, what did he say? Uh, well, Mr. Quesin was not present at the Court of Appeal, but subsequently, when the trial went over to the High Court, mm. uh, when he resumed the cross examination of the state's first witness, he was present and uh, his lawyers uh, have been commenting on the case that happened both at the Court of Appeal and what took place at the High Court today, where they questioned the state's witness on whether when he petitioned the police to investigate James Quest, whether he attached relevant evidence uh, which formed the base of this particular prosecution. Abraham Amalibar is director of legal of the opposition NBC.
11: Today is a baptism of fire for the witness. You notice that today the attorney general could not help but had to supplant himself to give evidence. And the evidence of the attorney general which is not allowed in court, and that of the witness were in sharp contrast. Indeed, you remember yesterday there was this issue of uh, attached documents. Today, the same matter came up. The witness, in his police statement, indicated that he had attached documents, and so counsel for Jethikwezin requested that the witness produce those documents. However, the Attorney General became uncomfortable and indicated to the court that there were no documents attached at all. So the question now to ask, and I want the media to help me answer the question, between the witness and the Attorney General, who is speaking the truth? It's important. Because this is a discredited witness whose evidence, and you saw that he was evading questions, whose evidence cannot stand the test of time and yet you want to put an innocent man behind bars based on this discredited evidence god is watching
10: i mean at the tail end of proceedings uh counsel did indicate that he has filed some process uh on and article 130 asking for reference to the supreme court what, what is the concern with regards to that
11: yes so we have filed for an interpretation that's an interpretative issue at the supreme court on article 19 of the constitution which has to do with fair trial and you know all this um is about whether the accused person would have fair trial and so we want the supreme court to interpret article 19. what does fair trial mean does it mean the accused person must be coming to court every day is that what fair trial mean and who in this country which accused person in this country has been going to court every day. Indeed, I am informed that Vermaul, the uh, fifth country co- uh, convener, has pleaded with his court to trying him every day, and the court said no. So between the person who is going to stage a coup, allegedly, the person who is alleged to wanting to stage a coup, and the person who signed a statutory declaration, who is so dangerous to the country that his trial must be done every day. I
10: mean, another thing that has been happening outside of here is in Parliament. I mean, clearly no business is happening there, um, as, a, as a party, in terms of the National Democratic Congress, is it a position that the party signs up to completely, that they are behind their members of Parliament, well, we continuing are, to boycott?
11: We are completely behind our members of Parliament for boycotting citizens anytime this matter is being heard. The reason is that this trial... It's a persecution. The state is using its power to persecute him. What strength do we have? We have 137 in Parliament. There are 138, are foreign Mbamud, around. So they come from a quorum. We will use our 137. So we'll use our strength, as they are also using their strength against the, the MP. So,
2: so, Joseph, what's next in this case?
10: So, first, the uh, matter is back in court on the 26th of July uh, at the High Court, where the court would have to answer the question again whether it should put the trial on hold because of this new process that Mr. Maliba made reference to a short while ago that has been filed at the Supreme Court. And so that brings to number two the, the process that are had at the Supreme Court. Already, the one at the High Court is also still there. So, the court will once again have to hear legal arguments and determine whether to proceed. With the trial or not. And so that will determine what happens uh, going forward,
2: Samuel. All right, grateful to you. Joseph Akable is our parliamentary affairs correspondent. Now, um, there we knew that there is a relationship between this case and what's happening in Parliament. So let's take you to Parliament now. Um, majority Chief where Frank Dompre is defending, defending the continuous absence of some of his MPP colleagues from citizens Despite the NDC's minorities boycott of the House, the MPP side have not been able to marshal all its numbers for critical business leaving the House handicapped. Now, according to Frank Anodompre, there is no parliament in the world where all MPs are present all the time.
12: If you go to the British Parliament. And other jurisdictions that we are seeking to emulate. You don't see all the members of parliament in the chamber at a point T. I don't know if you can cite an instance where you, unless maybe there are ceremonial occasions that you find a full house. I am proud to say, and I'll say this on behalf of our majority, all the things we want to pass, we we'll pass them. And we cannot make decisions without our numbers. Important decisions cannot be made without our numbers. Any time we want to pass stuff, we've got them passed. And we've got our numbers, Masha. So that one you have to understand. Besides the point, there there are ministers who are also members of parliament. And we have to be practical here. Sometimes somebody is traveling out of jurisdiction, there's nothing you can do about it. And if I pick my data now and look at leave of absence uh, that I have, I have a lot, many more members who are on leave of absence. Some on medical grounds, some on official duties, so that one never arises. Your side is empty. You are saying that you are boycotting parliament. The substance of my case here is that you said nobody told you to say that out of your own volition. Atufusin said we are going to boycott parliament. Is committee meetings not part of parliament? Is it not? It is. Yes, it is. So who are you deceiving? Atufusin, you should, should, should come clear on this matter. I think that they should bury their head down in shame the is a very unpopular decision by the leadership i know the aside is divided about it yes they are divided about it so if you want to boycott parliament boycott parliament in its entirety don't pick and choose
2: Let's do some politics now because the office of the vice president has debunked reports that the vice president's campaign is being funded by some Islamic group in Nigeria. Spokesperson for the Vice President, Dr. Gideon Bwaku, says the publication is false, fabricated, and only serves the propaganda purposes of its promoters. Let's share with you the statement that has been released now. It says um the attention of the Baumia campaign team has been drawn to a pose by one David Humdayan. A journalist in Nigeria that the Baumia campaign is being funded by some Islamic group in Nigeria called the ACF. We notice that the same narrative has been copied by some persons and groups in Ghana on social media. This narrative is obviously false, fabricated, and only serve the propaganda purposes of its promoters. For the avoidance of doubt, the Baumia campaign has no funding or any link with any Islamic group in Nigeria or anywhere else. We also note that the said David Homdayen has promoted a pension for making similar claims against some persons and groups in Nigeria without any basis whatsoever. The Baumia campaign is focused and will not be distracted by such vain untruth. The Vice President, Dr. Mahamudu Baumia, has been very diligent and transparent from his days as a scholar, banker, and politician throughout. That his life and will not depart from these now and forever issued by the communications directorate uh, we're joined by, by one of the spokespersons of the balmya campaign dr kabiru mahama um, uh, who is joining us here doc i'm grateful to you for joining us now how is the campaign team of the veep talking uh, taking all of this Okay. We've also been joined by the head of the political science department at the University of Ghana, uh, Professor Aloudi Saidu. Prof, I'm grateful for joining us here. Uh, what do you make of all of this allegation and, and what sort of impact can it have on, on this campaign process? Prof, kindly unmute so, so we, ca- we can hear what you're telling us here. All right, so uh, uh, Prof. Ali Duseidu is head of the political science department of the University of Ghana. He, uh, okay, so Prof, I-, I cannot hear you. Hello, Prof. Um, so so I-, I wanted to find out from you uh, what you do make of this, this uh, information that the vice president's campaign is being funded by an Islamic uh, group, The campaign team have debunked uh, uh, this allegation and uh, saying that they do not have any uh, financial link to any uh, group whatsoever. What do you make of this development and do you foresee uh, it having any impact on, on the campaign processes so far? Well, I think we are having some technical challenges. We we'll will be solving them. But the story is that uh, um, a Nigerian-based journalist is alleging that the Vice President, Dr. mahamudu Buhari, has uh, his campaign been funded by a Nigerian Islamic, a Nigerian-based Islamic group. But the Vice President's campaign team has debunked this allegation, saying that they do not have any link uh, to any. Um, uh, any group whatsoever, and that the vice president is not ready to break uh, the, the philosophy that underpins his person. We'll delve into this particular matter into details right after this very short break. We'll be back.
13: You will enjoy free life insurance, oh. free debit card save while you spend, and an amazing chance to double Shh. your salary, a hodier and even more consolation rewards in the EcoBank double salary promo reloaded. Echo
7: okay. This EcoBank salary account sounds interesting. What do you think? Uh, uh, but maybe next time, Charlie, you know what? I'll go shine my shoe. Hey. yo, myself, I'll go check my BB.
8: Open an EcoBank salary account today for a lifetime of benefits. You also stand a chance to win more than double your salary in the EcoBank Double Salary promo reloaded from now till July 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And it's your life regardless. is under the supervision of the National Lottery Authority under the greatest lottery platform. The Pan African Bank.
14: Smile, hmm?
7: Look lively, okay? Smile, smile! Is the money too small?
8: A bad stomach ruins your day. Don't let it.
7: Take gastrone, your most effective antacid, for the relief of symptoms of peptic ulcer, heartburn, gas pain, flatulence, and indigestion.
15: Hey, guys, what are you waiting for? Let's go, let's go.
7: Mwah. Can you bring down their smiles more? <laughs> Gastro, effective relief from stomach discomfort, manufactured and distributed by NS Chemists Limited. This advertisement has been written and approved by the FDA.
16: Daddy... Daddy, ah, this tank is big!
12: Yes, that's true.
16: It can store a lot of water. That's
12: so true.
16: Wow, it has a working surface like it!
12: Mm-hmm, that's so true.
16: I can see S-I-N-T-E-S. Same That
12: is so true, my daughter.
2: From the break. Now, let's return to our uh, earlier story about uh, the Baumia campaign allegedly being funded by an Islamic group based in Nigeria. But the campaign team has debunked this allegation. We've been joined on um, uh, on Zoom via Zoom by a spokesperson for the Baumia campaign team, Dr. Uh, Kabiru Mahama. We also have via uh, Zoom the head of the political science department at the University of Ghana, uh, Professor Ali Seydou. Prof, I-, I was asking you for your input on this, but, but once I have the-, the campaign team spokesperson kindly uh, indulge me, let me find out from him. Uh, Dr. Kabiru Mahama, how is the campaign team uh, taking all of this?
17: Thank you, Madam, and, uh, good to you and to you to listeners. If you me, find the information the I think that the first brooch uh, of that information was with me on the set on, on, on literature when uh, it was mentioned. People, I, I, I just gathered it and I mentioned that a campaign will not be distracted by sex probable lies to the effect that such a statement was made by the Vice President and by someone who has had the notoriety for making sex people and the they uh, were launching onto that particular story. The spokesperson uh, uh, for the vice president had to issue that statement. That was just to put the matter to rest. That is statement for us uh, surprises for uh, I, say, I, say. I mean adequate response. The author of that of uh, that statement on Tita and those people who are holding on that statement, uh, that's for us as a response. Aside that the vice president is focused on the campaign, certainly the this will hold its but the focus is on winning the NDP government and winning the election for the key for the MPP and for the people of Ghana so that the transformational agenda, the vision that was set forth by the Vice President when he picked his form and the details of it will be unveiled, will be pursued in is free
2: so so what does the um, the campaign team intend to do about the source of the allegation in, in trying to clear the name of of the vice president
17: because mr david uh Putin is noted for certain things and if you me, he made a pass about mr david, who is a non-business person also propaganda, also lies were terrible and Mr. The city gentleman mentioned that Tilibu, the current president of Nigeria, was a drug dealer and that he had made some money and was arrested by the United States authorities on, for dealing with drugs. That turned out to be falsehood. Again, recently the same person is making an allegation that Mr Tinubu has a genuine passport or is a citizen of Dile. And that same story is also not true. The notoriety of the gentleman in, in propagating was also highlighted. When his account was even blocked by Tita for consistently pushing against anti-government propaganda, it is, is only someone who is obsessively delusional who believes in the story being put out by the, the gentleman. Of course, we are in three democracy where I mean, we are in democracy where freedom of speech has to be respected. Mm-hmm. But I mean we tolerate such views, much more bigger things have been said about the vice president. The vice president was recently looted or being projected as someone holding a, a British passport. I mean we will just distort those rumors, continue with the campaign, but the vice president team do not intend to do a aside clarifying this, anyone with information, if you feel like the vice president is actually engaged in campaign funding from inappropriate sources, illegal sources, you have the recourse to the courtroom to prove that. Okay, and the vice president is a law abiding citizen; he doesn't intend to engage in campaign funding. That is, mm-hmm. that is not in concert with the of the legal I mean, laws of the council. So that is just the position. We are not okay. We are new, we are not disturbed by this negative propaganda. Mm-hmm. It will come. Maybe or more of sight will come. But the most, most important thing is the focus. The team will be focused, the vice president will be focused, the campaign will be pursued. And you know, all these things are coming because of the traction the campaign is gathering. Earlier on, other candidates were on the field having a full day of media campaign. The vice president was occupied with the interest of the state. And they had his accommodating me, and he used that to start his campaign. But when the campaign instruction, you will extend this distraction to come. For us, okay. the vice president is focused, and we will do the campaign clean, campaign will not tell lies on anyone, and we will not actually also allow any lies, handle on the vice president to first start. We okay. will respond when the but most of these lies will
2: just disregard and continue with the campaign. Kindly stay with me, uh, let me turn, bring in the head of the political science department at the University of Ghana, Professor Aloudisadou. Prof, what do you make of this, and will it have any impact whatsoever on this campaign?
7: Good evening to you and to your viewers. I think Dr. Uh, Kabiru and then the the campaign of the vice president has made it clear that this is not true. And the fact that the person who as ways the allegation has a lot of credibility deficit. He has, has been doing that. So basically, on, on the value of the arguments from the vice president's uh, camp, this is not true. But assuming it is true, what are the implications? We all know that during election periods like this, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people looking out. So let me put it this way. Election presents an opportunity for investment. Uh, transnational corporations, multinational corporations, Governments of developing countries individuals even organized crimes groups, always look out for opportunities like this To be able to position themselves for favor and do favor when that particular candidate is elected so if this was to be true the implication would have been that it could lead to uh, a serious issue of a uh, uh, special interest favor okay. the the group that is sponsoring or Is alleged to be sponsoring the vice president campaign, it's not going to do it for nothing. You know, he or the group will be doing it with the intention that they're going to be able to assess the vice president and Mm -hmm. ask for favor and demand favor when he's eventually elected to lead the MPP into next year's election and eventually becomes uh, elected as president of this country. And those kind of favors are usually uh, uh, opportunities that are used to pay back those people who have invested. And sometimes a lot of due diligence are not done, and sometimes it can even lead to corruption and corrupt practices. Because when people are giving, when you are giving that kind of favor at the heat of the campaign, it means that you also have to pay back. And sometimes the the deals that are done to pay these people back usually don't go through proper procurement process, don't go through proper uh, vetting and tender processes. And they usually kind of uh, behind-the-scenes dealings. That is meant to reward Uh, these people. And thirdly, what may happen is that it tends to bring what we call governance capture. So basically, you have a government that is not able to do what it's supposed to do, even if that is what the people want. Because there's somebody behind the scenes who calls the shots, because that person sponsored your campaign. So technically, you see the citizens demanding one particular thing, and government is very adamant in doing that particular thing. So there's a huge uh, lot of what we call Responsive uh, gap, responsiveness in governance processes is the ability of government to accept people's demands and translate those demands into concrete action that addresses that challenge. Where the demands of the people or the citizens of Ghana conflict with the demands of the sponsors, there's a tendency that governments are likely going to go with the decision or the demands or the interests of the sponsors rather than citizens. So it, it kind of presents a very complex situation. For governance processes, for accountability, mm. for transparency. But mm. the benefit is that the candidate that receives that money is able to organise a better campaign. Is able to campaign ahead of his uh, competitors mm. and is able to position himself or herself in a manner that brings dividends to, to the campaign. Okay. But as as we look at it now, there's a strong uh, 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 denial from the campaign of the vice president that this is not true. Okay. So if what I'm saying is. Uh, hypothetical
15: situation
7: mm-hmm. doesn't it then bring in the whole argument about
2: you know funding sources for prosecuting political campaigns
7: so i think uh, there's been a huge debate since the beginning of the fourth republic as to whether the state should come up boldly and sponsor besides the the things that the state has already been doing there's a kind of state sponsorship but not as is done in other jurisdictions So political parties are calling now for the state to be uh, directly involved, design uh, uh, actions and guidelines that will uh, gain traction for this particular policy in the sense that it leaves governments that win elections. The ability to meet the demands of the people, the ability to have the freedom to make decisions and and, uh, uh, implement programs that actually put the interests of the people as their famous uh, priority. So basically, where this is lacking, government's hands are tied in their ability to do a whole lot of things. Mm -hmm. What we have seen with this proposal is the fact that it has been politically leading. As we fully know in this country, when the MPP is in government, the NDC will be leading the call for uh, state sponsorship of political parties. Mm -hmm. When the table stands, you see the reverse. So you don't see that element of commitment from the political parties to actually having a standardized state sponsorship for political parties and its ability to cure all the mischief and these allegations that are associated with it. So mm. until we rally behind the, the clarion call to have state sponsor political parties, whichever kind or of form is going to take, we'll, we'll, we'll mostly see some of these things happening. Over the years, you've seen mm. civil society organizations, NGOs, and other uh, civic bodies leading this particular charge, but political parties usually uh, keep quiet or get quiet when they are in government, and when they are in opposition, they think it is a good thing to do.
2: Interesting, but will it come to a point where they can tell us that okay, even even though state is not sponsoring, my 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 funding sources are A, B, and C? Yes. Yeah,
7: so I think there are. In, in some democracies, there are regimes like that for reporting back how much money you have earned and how much money you have spent. And even there are thresholds. You cannot spend beyond a certain threshold. And at okay. the end of the year, you have to account. So, But there are issues of uh, gaps in in implementing most of the very beautiful laws that we've had in this country. Mm. In, in Especially the way donors who present money to political parties and candidates. It's not, it's it's done in a very dodgy way. In some democracies, you have to report. It's either done through bank transfer or it's done through a check and all those things. So they can trace. But here in the middle of the night, around 2 a.m., somebody brings you, Ghana must go back full of money. Only you and him knows what is happening. So Mm -hmm. who do you account to? So basically, what we need to do is to tighten our ability, the donation processes, and make it more regular, so that uh, agencies, that, state agencies that are empowered to be able to enforce these laws will be able to do it in a manner that is, that is uh, remarkable, okay. that is beneficial, mm-hmm. and that can prevent uh, people abusing that system.
2: Grateful to you, Professor Alidusedu, for joining us here. Uh, Dr. Kabiru mahama so that's Doc. So would you be kind enough to, because of this development, uh, uh, telling us the funding sources for the Baumia team? Is this something you, you, you are considering uh, doing?
17: Yeah, I think the Vice President uh, would be on doing this uh, funding uh, strategy for the campaign. I don't think it's going to be premature for me to add this particular plan. Uh, so that if you are an observer of the social media, you see that a particular code has been changing for uh, a, little, a little while now. People are meeting, or some people have even started meeting, even though formerly that have not been uh, uh, unveiled. That will be unveiled, and that is one of the sources. The vice president has also got world issues and families and friends who are actually key and active believers in the course of the vice president. Yeah, they have been supporting the vice president in this particular time. And recently, I some tea, it's a good, realize that you know, some of the recent pickups that made a lot of noise. That was an individual who believed the that the vice president candidate is before for the council who started to support the campaign with chemicals. All these are funding sources mm-hmm. for the campaign. Okay. And I'm sure uh, a uh, more much more uh, organized uh, uh, funding scheme will be introduced. We will rely on the backing of the Ghanaian people of what wishes of the of, of the party and of the MPP and the Ghanaiers right to support the campaign. But at this point, a complete list of panel sources it will be my job for them to disclose that. Okay. But uh, the appropriate campaign team and the leadership of the
2: campaign team would unveil that to the Grateful to you to Dr. Kabiru Mahama for joining us. He is one of the spokespersons for the Baomia campaign team. Now, while Vice President Muhammadu Buhari has ended his campaign tour of the Ashanti region, former Trade and Industry Minister Alan Kwajo Chamanting is beginning a tour of the OT region. We're joined by the OT regional correspondent Peter Senu to tell us what's happening. Peter, grateful that you could join us here. Um, we are also, uh, uh, we've also been joined via Zoom by Yao Bwabing as Samoa spokesperson for the Alan Chamanting campaign team. Grateful to you. Um, say for joining us here. So w- what's the plan for the OT region now that you've landed in that region?
18: Thank you very much. Uh, can you hear me?
2: Yeah, yeah,
18: I can. Very well. Thank you very much. Uh, this morning, we started uh, uh, from Jessica and Mr. Buim and uh, akan uh,
0: and uh, and
18: one constituency. as we speak we are in, in quanta south mm-hmm. having a, a meeting i'm speaking to you from south.
2: okay mm. uh, what's the focus of the of the team in we, we know that when you go to places you do a combined uh, uh you know constituency sort of meeting is that going to be same here or the the, the, the focus is changing
18: no the focus will not change but you adapt depending on the geographical circumstance. So, the first meeting we had this morning in OT was made up of four constituencies. That's what I told you. the four constituencies were hosted in Jazakan. Uh, and now uh, uh, we have to come to Kwanta South by itself because the distances are very, very great. And beyond this, we'll then continue to Kwanta North. Uh, because, again, the distances are, are quite far uh, apart. Mm-hmm. And then you, you need to go to as well, which will mean crossing uh, the river. So it depends on the geography. But beyond this region, I doubt if there will have to be an occasion where uh, we, we do it this way anymore. Okay. But it, it's a mix. Because well, the okay. first, what we did this morning, uh, we're all together.
2: How's the response by the people? We've we've seen what happened in, in the Volta region and in Quanta. How's the response like?
18: It's beautiful. Um, they've spent time. Uh, they've left their farms and they've transported themselves here uh, to listen uh, to us and out of. Uh, 800 delegates, we uh, 8 see of the process. We are
6: happy.
18: Yeah, uh,
2: now, there's, there's an issue with the, you know, the Baumia campaign team. We are hearing allegations that they are being funded by an Islamic group based in Nigeria. Uh, what, 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 what uh, is the ALAN team picking? How do you respond to this allegation? Would you even call for the disclosure of funding sources for various campaign teams?
18: <laughs> I don't think uh, that's the regime uh, we're dealing with now. Uh, we have been working on mobilizing support from traditional sources and from the general public. we we'll recall that we launched the Kitwe campaign before. Soliciting funds from the public, and also we've been seeking funds from well-wishers who are entitled to do so uh, uh, to support the campaign. So we have not thing uh, to worry about as far as campaigning funding is concerned. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Um, so from from the OT region, where, where next will the island team uh, be, be focusing? Well, it's like we're we're having uh, some challenges there. But you're still watching the polls on the joining channel. Um... I think- So there you have it uh, from both the Bamia camp and the Allen camp, but trust your election headquarters will be with the teams and will bring you an update on whatever is happening within the various camps in the MPP. Now to other stories now, and it has been revealed that children with reported um, uh, cases of uh, uh, cases of uh, cancer at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital currently have only 20% of survival rate. The situation has been attributed to misdiagnosis, late presentation, and abandonment of medication by parents due to high cost of treatment. Currently, global estimates peg the number of children with cancer in Ghana to over 1,000 year. But Dr. Francisca Boating, who is with the Department of Child Health at Kolebu and a member of the Ghana Medical Association, says the number has been underestimated because... Some of the children are dying undiagnosed. She spoke on the Super Morning show.:
19: Because of the late presentation, say about twenty percent.
9: Wow. yeah, currently, only about twenty percent of the children who come into the hospital system survive it. Yes. and we heard a rather disturbing figure that there are about two you are getting about two hundred and fifty cases.
19: 180, 180, 180, 180, 180 on the average a, a, year. Year. a year but mind you they're about based on the global estimates about 1,200 children under 15 who have cancer a year so if In we're seeing yes. mm. so about 180 and see come for not seen close to that that is less than half mm-hmm. the mm. cases that actually have cancer mm. and obviously we are underestimating the people that have cancer right so 20% of those that actually come for health care are surviving. So you can imagine, I mean, if you're talking notable. about countrywide, maybe if you have to do the right extrapolation, you're seeing about 10%, 5 because mm-hmm. some of them are dying undiagnosed. Yeah. So
20: That's
3: crazy.
21: And what are the common cases today? So on our ward, we'll see most of them are leukemias. Leukemia and then the lymphomas. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
9: And this low survival rate is... P- completely down to late detection yes. or late reporting. Late presentation. late presentation. So late
19: presentation, misdiagnosis. Misdiagnosis. Yes, and mm. then also abandonment of treatment. of treatment. So we actually have parents who start on treatment mm. and then disappear.
9: Why? Is it the the, the financial? Yes,
19: the cost. The wow.
21: medications are quite costly, and the, the
19: investigations involved they are quite expensive. And then the mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm. So this country is plagued with people thinking that the herbal preparation, so you have a lump, for instance, and you hear people talking about herbal medication to melt the Mm -hmm. lump. So they are hearing things from other people, the people at home. They trust them more because somebody will come and say, oh, my child had a lump here. You know, I applied this herbal preparation. It went. And I mean, obviously, they'll take that over, having to stay in the hospital for long periods. Mm -hmm. They are Mm -hmm. scared of the chemotherapy drugs. So what they don't know, I would say, kills them because they think that Other forms of treatment are better or will work.
2: She has ever warned parents to desist using herbal medicine to treat children with cancer as it exposes them more to other delicate diseases.
19: If you're drinking a herbal concoction, it's going into your stomach. Mm -hmm. It's coming out of your alimentary canal. So from mouth to anus, excuse my language, I mean, No, it's
20: (laughs) proper language. So essentially
19: that, yes. Mm -hmm. And... So something that goes through your alimentary canal cannot reach a cancerous cell that's probably in your hand, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, typically, because the anti-cancer medications are mostly intravenous. So mm-hmm. they go through the, vein, the venous system, the blood, mm-hmm. and then reaches the other points yeah. in the body. So if someone is drinking a herbal preparation, it's unlikely that it will go and touch the cancerous cell there. Secondly, we don't know what these herbal preparations are made of. Most of them are causing kidney failure. They're causing liver failure. So they're Mm -hmm. only going to cause more harm than good. Mm -hmm. So basically, I mean, if you hear things like this, you need to ask yourself, Mm -hmm. is it something that makes sense?
2: We're joined via Zoom by Jane Williams, who is founder of the Viva Terkson Foundation and Kwame Osu, an oncology nurse at the Cape Coast Teaching Hospital. J- Jane, let me start with you because uh, you've had um, a child who passed as a result of uh, you know, childhood cancers. How was it like for you? Jane, kindly unmute for me so we can hear what you're telling us.
13: Thank you very much, and good afternoon to our viewers and listeners. Um, <laughs> the journey was traumatic for us because um, we had no idea at that time that kids also get cancer. And at that time in Cape Coast, we didn't have a facility that was handling children with cancer. So we had to commute from Cape Coast to Accra every time for treatment. And you can imagine the stress, even getting accommodation and all that. So it was a very difficult moment for us.
2: Mm, mm. Um, and, and so aside that stress how was the child you know taking it you know you were going through stress but, but how was it really for, for people who have children going through the
13: same things how would they be feeling now you've been there before it's, <laughs> it's a very difficult moment to be in as a parent for you the parent um, financially it's a dream No matter how wealthy you can say you are, you will feel a pinch. It is a very um, expensive venture because buying the chemo drugs, doing the MRIs, and it is only through the MRI that they can be able to ascertain the the damage that the cancer cells is doing to the body. Mm -hmm. So if you are unable to afford the MRI, it means that basically you cannot even see what is happening to your child. Mm. then psychologically the children don't go to school they'll have to stay at home and it's a drain on them because they keep on asking you why am i not going to school why are my friends going to school and then i am broken so it's, it's it's a whole lot and then the other siblings too you realize that you pay attention much to your sick child and then if you're not careful you end up neglecting the other kids and they will also be complaining that it seems like you don't love them mm. so i always say that if one person has cancer in the home it affects every other person in the home psychologically emotionally financially everybody suffers
2: how did you you know diagnose your your child's cancer
13: okay so for my child's cancer um we didn't know about it so she fell and she had a swell at the right side of her head. so i quickly rushed her to the hospital for a scan because Obviously, she was not bleeding. There was nothing. So when they had the scan at um, CCTH, then we were told that there is a tumor that is basically taking over her kidney. Um, Unfortunately for us, she was born with a single kidney. Naturally, she came to this world with a single kidney. So that same single kidney had the cancer cells taking over. When we found out, it had already taken about 70% of her kidney already. So Mm. we just tried to help her and then see how best we can save her. But unfortunately, we were able to do something and then the cancer spread to her lungs and it also went into her um, urinary tract, went to her chest. It just started spreading. Just as we were almost even done with her chemo, then we realized that it has spread to other organs and other parts of her body. So they had to put her on palliative care. Mm. And then... 10 days after palliative care, she went home peacefully to her maker. Will you have made ch-
2: any changes if you had seen it earlier?
13: Yes, I keep on saying it. And as the major mandate of our foundation, we are preaching early detection. Because until her passing, we didn't even know that constipation can actually be a sign that your kidneys are failing you. My child used to have chronic constipation. I mean, constant ones that when she has to visit the restroom, you have to hold her hands and then you you push with her together. You understand? And and they put her on laxatives. They were told to give her more refugees and she should drink a lot of water. We didn't know that all these are signs that the kidney was telling us that it is shutting down. So early detection, We should pay attention to our children. The things they complain much, Mm. because the cancer symptoms are just like the normal fever symptoms, headache, feeling dizzy, feverish, and all that. So if it becomes chronic, you take it to the hospital, they treat it, it comes back again, they treat it, it's not going, please, let them check whether it is that. Because for my child, I later found out that it was actually um. The kidney that was failing him, that was the reason for her constant constipation.
2: Mm. Yes. Mm. Um, stay with me. Let me bring in the oncology nurse now. So we understand that the cases are on the rise. What is contributing to, to the rise in cases?
14: Okay. Um, as um, the video that we, we watched, um, early detection... People are not seeking help. And people even don't know that children have cancer. Sometimes, we have a a September month for oncology month. We go around and we do education. But I realize that most of them think the cancer cases is only for the adults. Mm -hmm. But children also do get cancer. That's why, So they are not seeking help. And we also talk about the facilities that we are carrying for the cancer cases. At first, it was only um, Kulebuk and Konfanochi. And the others that we are seeing, the cases now, like Cape Coast and Techiman and um, Tamale, they are shared care centers. So at first, uh, let's say the, uh, the person, where the person stays and is now going to Kulebu, it's also a difficult journey. And most people even know that we have, um, children have cancer and they, are, they need to be cared for. So they don't bring the child to, the hospitals but they rather tend to the um, and pastors, herbal, um, herbalists, by the time that they come to the hospital and also misdiagnosis because cancers like from the eye like the retinoblastoma can be misdiagnosed as being cataracts so from maybe if they go to the health facilities where they are being seen they are being misdiagnosed of certain um, conditions and they are being treated by the time they come to the teaching hospitals the cases have already been advanced. That's why it's, it's causing the high rates of the um, cancer um, cases. And also, the treatment is costly. But now, by um, the government, um, through the government's interpretation, some of the, the four-child cancers are now on insurance. Mm-hmm. And people are now coming for treatment. Thank you.
2: Well, so, so for parents who are watching us now, uh, what must they be looking out for in their children to probably give them that preemption that I should be careful? Probably my child is, is developing this.
14: Okay, so we talk about the early warning signs. Because um, for now, we don't, apart from talking about genetics, there, there have been a lot of research being done. But we can't really pinpoint these are the causes of the pediatric cancers. Okay. So we have early warning signs example, when your child is, like you have cataracts, no, if um, there's a squint in the eye, there's a squint in an eye, uh, you should bring your child to the hospital. A squint, or the child is having um, disturbances. Sometimes um, there can be a mass at the cheek. There can be a mass at the cheek. Sometimes they take it as um, mom's by It can be one of the pediatric cancers.
20: Okay.
14: And as the kidney cancers, sometimes when you are taking care of your baby and you, you are bathing your baby, you feel a mass at the left side. Mostly the, the kidney cancers start at the left. So there is a mass at the left. That when you palpate is very hard. That one, you have to bring your child earlier. If you, okay. if you leave the child room, the child will start passing urine, which is bloody. And the child will lose weight and other symptoms. Sometimes, we, some of them have bleeding episodes. They have bleeding from the mouth, from the nose. And sometimes, you won't, you won't see their significant bleeding. But sometimes, you see in their palm, there are rashes all over. We call them pe- uh, particular rashes they're on the body. Sometimes, you the ones are the brain, sometimes, if your child complains of early morning headache, mm. this headache comes early in the morning. Okay. So, always your child is complaining, Mom, I have early morning headaches. It's also associated with vomiting. Then, it means your child stands at risk of getting one of the cancers. Okay. Some also complain of joint pains. Pain all over. And sometimes, some of the cancers are caused when you treat your child repeatedly for malaria. One of the cancers like um, um, the Becker's lymphoma cancer. okay, It's when you treat somebody repeatedly with malaria and there's another virus, Epsom bar virus, that causes the cancer. So because you don't know that these are the, um, the attributes for the cancer, you need to bring your child as early as possible for screening. Okay. There are certain laboratory investigations that we are going to know to detect whether it's cancer or not. If it's not cancer, then you just send your child home. Then staying home, relying on other things that is cancer or is not cancer. Okay. So these are some of the things that parents should look out for. Okay. If they are mumps, they are swelling at any part of the body that you don't understand. You have been using herbal preparations for and it's not working. Please seek early treatment mm, okay. as early as possible. Now we have...
2: Kwame Osu, yes, you wanted to make a point conclude concluded for me, then we can move on. Okay. Uh, Kwame Osu is an oncologist. But Jane, Jane Williams, so that's Jane?" so just to wrap up, what would be your advice to parents who
13: are watching us now? So my advice to parents is to pay particular attention to their children. Most of the times, because of our busy schedules and other things, we tend to ignore them when they complain of certain things that is going on with them. You mm. should pay attention to them. And I always tell them that spending an hour or two in the hospital for an investigation is better than losing your child because that two hours that you take off your job to actually attend to the child will be your saving grace. Okay. Yes.
2: Grateful for sharing with us all of this. Now, Jane Williams um, is a mother whose child passed on through childhood cancers. Now, two other stories now, and the University of Education Winneba has initiated a project aimed at supporting teachers who teach physics across the country. According to the university, many teachers who teach the subject have the misconception that a subject is difficult and such misconceptions have been transferred to students, resulting in many of these students not doing very well in the subject. Now, the head of the Department of Physics has been speaking after a day's workshop for tutors who teach physics in the central region. There is more in this report.
22: Actually, we realise that most of these teachers who are actually teaching at the uh, senior high level, they themselves... Are carrying a whole lot of misconceptions, so they don't understand some of the uh, the concepts that they are teaching.
23: The head
24: of department of, the of physics at the University of Education, Winneba, Dr. Gloria Amma, explains there why there are the issues of misconception as, misconception as far as the teaching of physics in Ghana is concerned. Students,
22: so we are expecting them that once they have come and we have we have um, taught them, we have taught them and they have seen some of these misconceptions, they will go out there and correct, and they will also be able to transmit the correct uh, concepts and then the theories we have for better understanding of the students.
25: She so
24: says the university has identified a challenge the and is harnessing a solution
22: program. to that. Once this first one was for the central region, we hope to carry it along to the other regions. We actually want to, to Help oh, because we realize that we have few teachers in faces. So, we want to do this to encourage more of our students who are taking faces as uh, like a monster, so they are not able to venture into faces. If we are able to help them understand these concepts and theories better, they will have the interest in faces um, to take it up. And we, we are expecting that in the next future or Uh, near future we will be able to have more students to train so that they will also go out there and continue.
24: A lecturer at the Department of Physics, Dr Desbonapia, says the workshop will be a major boost towards the teaching of physics in the country.
23: So, Some of the misconception um, as we all realize is that um, some or most teachers even uh, do not know that density is a characteristic property. In that sense, density, the density of a material, irrespective of the size of the material, is still the same. But uh, funny enough, most teachers and students are so quick to define or to write a formula of density, but then do not know the significance of density itself. So you recognize that from some of the questions which were given to them, most of them were not able to. Because after they, they are done with the calculations, they don't know the significance of the calculations and that they don't compare to the concept to know whether it actually conforms to the concept or not and also we're able to use um, improvised uh, uh, techniques to depict to teachers how they will be able to explain why ships will sink deeper in fresh water than in what in sea water.
24: The university says it is its mission to train competent professional teachers for all levels of education as well as conduct research disseminate knowledge and contribute to educational policy and development
2: Now, the Greater Accra Regional Health Directorate is advising people to disregard myths about COVID-19 vaccination and take their doses. I'm speaking at the launch of the seventh round of COVID-19 vaccination exercise aimed at getting over 170,000 people vaccinated. The acting deputy director of health in the Greater Accra region, Dr. Farida Abdullahi, said even though the World Health Organization has declared COVID-19 as no longer an international health emergency, Cases are still being recorded on a daily basis. She is therefore stressing that all eligible persons in the population must be vaccinated to achieve solid immunity against COVID-19. There is more in the following report. In a drive to consolidate
24: gains made in the COVID-19 vaccination, the Ghana House Service launched the seventh edition of its COVID-19 vaccination campaign, which is targeted at administering one million doses of vaccines, to individuals. The Greater Accra Regional Health Directorate has also launched a campaign to get over 170,000 people vaccinated in the La Nkwantana Municipal Health Directorate. Speaking at the launch, Acting Deputy Director of Health in the Greater Accra Region, Dr. Farida Abdullah said even though the World Health Organization has declared COVID-19 as no longer an international health emergency, cases are still being recorded.
4: Yes, it's, it's- longer a
21: public health emergency of international concern that means that the whole world is not focusing on trying to control it with the use of hand sanitizers alcohol-based hand sanitizers washing of hands and uh, running water with soap using the face masks and the COVID-19 vaccination campaign that has been rolled out, the world has been able to control the spread of COVID-19 but that does not mean that we are still not recording cases. It doesn't mean that there's still a potential for spread. And as you realize, as the, uh, the pandemic was evolving, even new strains were coming up from time to time. So we'll still maintain surveillance, and then we'll still ensure that the herd immunity that we acquired with their previous vaccine doesn't wane out and that is why we are still vaccinated. Also don't forget that we still have some people who have still not even taken a single dose so there's still the need to ensure that all these people are vaccinated to ensure that the protection that we achieved during the period when it was a pandemic is still maintained. So for the five days we are hoping to vaccinate a little over 170 thousand people and then we are hoping that the media also supporting us to broadcast this message, we'll be able to make it. As we have the vaccines in stock and we've distributed to all the districts and the points that need it. And we even have more than what we need for this campaign. So even if we, if we should exceed the target, we'll have enough stocks to accommodate everyone who needs it.
24: The municipal director of Health services for the La Quantana Municipal Assembly, Dr. Prisla Enema, however, assured the vaccines are safe and have no side effects.
25: The vaccine is safe. And so far, we, haven't, you know, we have recorded some few adverse, adverse um, drug um, reactions. But that doesn't, I mean, in terms of proportion, is is not significant enough to deter people from not coming to take the vaccines. So, though, if you take the vaccine and you have that reaction, you only report to our facility, we will take care of it. But that thing that people say, when you take it, you, you become um, put, uh, impotent and those kind of things, I don't think it, 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 it's the right thing. It doesn't, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not something to take home with. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm entreating everybody to come and take the vaccine. It's safe. And it doesn't cause any infertility or to make your manhood shrink. And No, 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 no. no. Um, the COVID-19 virus not fully eradicated. We, we still have some of the cases with us. So those of them who, who, who are saying that the virus is no more, and for that matter, the, based on the WHO's um, declaration, they are not going to take the vaccine. I'll just speak with them that we still record cases. that yes, they are not all that severe, but for their own sake, for their own sake and then for the head ministry that they want to achieve, they should come and then take the vaccine for their own sake, for them to be protected so that we can totally ship... COVID-19 virus out
24: of Ghana. The vaccination campaign, which is already ongoing, is expected to end on Sunday and is aimed at ensuring the maximum coverage of eligible population to achieve the needed herd immunity to avert any future mass spread and impact of COVID-19 in Ghana. Prince Kwame Kudegas reports right to you.
2: Now, the Ministry of Local Government, Decentralization and Rural Development is undertaking a household travel survey. Director of Human Resources at the Ministry of Cabinet, Dengcha, says that this will help them gather comprehensive data on travel patterns, behaviours and transportation demand of residents of the Greater kramat metropolitan area. He adds that this will contribute to the development of a sustainable and efficient transportation system that meets the needs of residents. Of uh, the Greater Accra Metropolitan Assembly in these years, uh, in the years to come.
15: The Ministry of Local Government, Decentralization and Rural Development under the Ghana Urban Mobility and Accessibility Project will undertake a household travel survey. Director of the Human Resource at the Ministry of Local Government, Kwabina Dentra indicates that this survey will contribute to the development of a sustainable and efficient transportation system that meets the needs of residents of the greater Accra metropolitan area.
7: Survey is a unique opportunity to gather comprehensive data on travel patterns, behaviors, transportation demands of residents of Ghana to inform transport planning and management and to contribute to the development of sustainable and efficient transportation system that meets the needs of residents of gamma
15: technical committee member of the gamma project alex johnson believes that the survey will not only inform policy making but will inform investors on investment opportunities in the area
20: Okay, so uh, this is giving us a first opportunity to have evidence-based data in the management of our urban system for transport services. Um, uh, uh, You know, from policy decision, you also have investment decisions. It's the first time that we would have a proper travel or household travel survey, which goes down to uh, -to zone-to-zone level patterns of travel. I mean... uh, Other systems, developed systems, have these kinds of data. So they are able to tell you uh, what travel patterns to expect from each exercise to the next. Um, uh, As long as population is growing and there are patterns of uh, migration across the city, uh, having this fine level of detail for the data is essential uh, to make sure that if you are planning for a road, you can prioritize, you can say that this area needs it more because of so and so economic, social factors. So it's a very holistic and comprehensive exercise uh, that uh, is going to happen, and the results are also supposed to inform a comprehensive uh, investment or policy decision.
15: The survey, which will encompass a representative sample of 7,500 households, will be done from 24th July 2023 to 30th September 2023. For join news, Jacqueline and Sumar Iyaboa.
2: Zoom Lion, a leading waste management company, has unveiled an ingenious digital payment system in Accra aimed at completely transforming the process of rubbish collection in the country dubbed Change Your Bola Style, the initiative aims to revolutionize waste management practices to enhance the country's sanitary conditions. According to the managing director of Zoom Lion, Edwin Amwako, the relaunch of the digitization drive presents customers with a range of convenient payment alternatives, ultimately contributing to a cleaner and more environmentally sustainable Ghana. There's more in the following report. <laughs>
8: marked by a procession starting from medina and traversing the principal street of accra the relaunch of zoom lion Gunner limited digitization drive which includes features such as unstructured supplementary service data, USSD, has been warmly embraced by residents of Accra. Speaking at the launch, Managing Director of Zoom Lion Ghana Limited, Edwin Amwaku, emphasized that the initiative would provide convenience to their customers while offering additional services. This is to bring
18: ease and convenience and peace of mind to our clients and customers who hitherto had limited avenues for payments. As a result of this digitization drive, new and existing clients of Zoom Lion will now enjoy real-time data analytics to track and monitor payments and their balances, multiple platforms to make payments, i.e. via smartphone, analog phones, iOS, or Android platforms, on-demand waste management services, and easy and instant access to Zoom Lion for complaints requests suggestions and feedback we will continue to relentless pursuit of innovation combined with our vast experience in the waste management in the country
8: to build a better cleaner ghana for our generation and the ones that come after us in response to zoom lion's new initiative some residents of accra and business owners express their enthusiasm considering the innovation to be good news
23: well I believe that it's a very good initiative. The only thing is that once we are in a technological I mean era for them to introduce certain I think it will be okay but the effectiveness of them also picking it up when you call them is one thing that we must also look at
26: It's a good initiative but I have a challenge sometimes with the pickups uh, sometimes. The dustbin uh, is full, and you see that they might not come for it as soon as possible. And so sometimes the uh, places that end up littering the area around. So that's a challenge, but it's a good initiative for Ghanaians to be able to have access to it.
8: Meanwhile, commending Zoom Lion for the initiative, Mayor of Accra, Elizabeth Teriyasaki stated that incorporating technology into waste management is the most effective approach to address the issue of uncollected garbage that often ends up in drains. You
4: know, refuse
24: or garbage are things that disturb the nation and for instance, when they are not being collected, dumping of refuse into drains is a no, 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 no. And therefore, if you are asked to come and pay and then the refuse is being collected, it's hallelujah, isn't it? So, this is the best way to go. And the most interesting thing of it all is there's a portion also on it where you can complain. Oh, this morning the vehicle has not come for my
4: That's safe.
8: Although a 2021 estimate from the World Health Organization, WHO, suggests that Accra generate approximately 2,200 tons of waste daily, interventions such as the one being undertaken by Zoom Lion are expected to contribute to improved sanitation in the country. Reporting for Joy News, I am Carlos Caloni
2: now russia has announced this week that uh, it's pulling out of the black sea grain agreement a deal which allowed ukraine to export its grain despite russia's naval blockade the decision could have wide-ranging effect on the global food market dw correspondent emily shoots uh, joins us for more on this emily what was the agreement and why did russia leave
27: Sure. So as you mentioned, this is an agreement that focused on allowing Ukraine, which is a major grain uh, wheat and corn exporter to continue to get those exports out to the rest of the world um, in safety, despite the Russian invasion. And so this is an agreement that was put into place shortly after the invasion last year. Um, During that time, a huge amount of of Ukrainian grain exports have been able to leave the country and make it to elsewhere around the world. And it's an agreement that has been extended several times since that invasion. However, this, what, what we saw this week is that Russia allowed the agreement to lapse um, and, and did not agree to another extension of it. And the reasons that Russia has listed thus far, at least publicly, are that there were various agreements or various concessions that they wanted in terms of Russian exports, in terms of making things easier for some of their agricultural and fertilizer exports that have not yet been met. Um, But it is something where international observers look at the fact that a major bridge uh, to the Crimean Peninsula was attacked this week and wonder about sort of the, the, the timing of all of this happening all at once.
2: Now, how are European leaders reacting to this news?
27: European leaders have have absolutely criticized Putin, basically saying that he is okay with people going hungry as a result of the war and as a result of this agreement, and so you've really seen a lot of harsh criticism coming out of most corners of Europe. Uh, You see from Turkey, which is one of the destinations, so when you cross the Black Sea, a lot of these things are ending up then in Istanbul and going on to the rest of the world. Uh, The Turkish leader, Erdogan, has said that he hopes that Putin will come back to the table and will re- uh, approve this this agreement but that has yet to be seen
2: should continue what impact could 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 it have on the rest of the world
27: well ukraine is a huge exporter of grain particularly wheat and corn and there are about 400 million people around the world who depend on these grain exports uh, in order to get sources of food and so what you can see is 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 two potential impacts on the one hand this means that a lot of a lot less of that grain is making it To other parts of the world particularly developing countries that rely on it and the other issue is that if that's if that's what's happening then you're going to see prices start to rise and so there are a lot of world leaders and countries around the world that are concerned first of all that there will just be less supply coming to them and second of all that it means that what they are getting is going to cause huge uh, increases in, in food prices and so when we think about food security this was one of the major concerns in the aftermath of russia's invasion last year and at the moment or up until this point the agreement was sort of helping to keep those those things from coming to pass. But with the agreement lapsing, that's a real concern now.
2: All right, Tamily, grateful to you for joining us with those updates. Now in today's Joy Clean Ghana campaign, the Accra Metropolitan Assembly has commenced the assessment of public toilet facilities with a star rating system. The facilities are expected to be rated as is done for hotels with ratings from one star to a four star rating system in accordance. With the assembly's health and sanitation regulations, the head of AMA sanitation team, Florence Cucci, says the rating system will be an eye-opener for public toilet operators to maintain proper sanitary conditions. There's more in this report.
26: Last month, the AMA trained about 150 public toilet operators. Um, their training was aimed to educate you know, public toilet operators in a way to maintain cleanliness in their various washrooms. So, today we are here at the Abu Bleshi bus station terminal to check whether they are actually complying with the AMA health regulations. About um, the star rating, and that was supposed to start 1st July, but we are now beginning So, what should we expect? Today.
28: Okay, so you know when cities are growing, we are now going smart city, and when we are going smart cities, everything of our ways must go smart. Public toilet is one of the main drivers of a smart city. You can't have a smart city without a public toilet because public toilet improve the city economy, it improve the health of the city, it also improve the health of the public, and also bring in security. So because of that, we don't want the public toilet that are now springing up within the smart city to be public toilet that will be contaminated, that when somebody visited it and you come out, you are coming out with some farm uh, bacteria or microorganisms on your hands that can lead to uh, ailment. Today, we are now coming up to start with the star rating. So with the star rating, there's a checklist that we are going to fill. So when we are done with the checklist, if you score below 50, it means you have failed. We will have to look at what to do. Either we close down or we take action against you. If you fall between uh, 50 to uh, 59, we will give you a yellow label. Up to 80 and above, is green. If you get 80 and above, it means... You are a city model public toilet, which will uh, emulate within the city.
26: Here at the Abuja Bus Terminal, um, as you all know, the AMA started this star rating assessment last month, and they scheduled to, you know, start implementing this whole assessment this month. So after all these checks, the AMA will rate. And determine the fate of this public toilet whether to be shut down or not shut down so currently you can see the ama officials assessing the washrooms and also all the chambers here to find out whether in fact this place is actually clean and also um, safe flashes are not leaking or nasty oh, flash is not, it's, it's so we can check
28: after whether there's leakage if there's no leakage, then we take. Yes. So cleaning equipment is stored and kept properly separate. Yes. So I don't, I don't. it
9: was
28: separate. Now, OMOP, now, NIAMA, NIAMA,
9: and
28: this was separate. So you take. So, we'll lighten the shadow and, and So, we'll not take.
11: Oh, yes, yes,
9: sorry. Yes, sorry. What's the lighting? We uh-huh.
28: shouldn't be like this. was We shouldn't be. So, most we'll we'll of the was we'll saying, we no. I was young, It be. Because you are contamination, we will be able five years. So cra beta or no be so above. And yes, and so I dear be to bet me to one sign It shouldn't be like this.
26: this. we just want to understand. So after all these checks, do you give them some days or some time for them to rectify all these mistakes?
28: Oh so, depending on what you score, we will give you so when you see here we have yellow, amber light green and green so if you score below 40 below for a 50 it means you failed so we'll give you a red stack there will be no star it means you don't have a star if you don't have a a star it means you have failed the test the toilet will be closed down there are some that may have some of the basic needs but they don't have all so when we calculate and you get 50 to 59 we will give you yellow that is one star We'll paste it on you. Then we'll give you a certificate and ask you to do better.
26: So, as you can see, um, they are just wiping through the edges of the door um, to pick up deaths and other possible bacteria that are attached to that door handle. There's no handle door. Back. That's where users touch to open um, this particular chamber so after swiping that edge of it they insert it in the device as you can see it has only 15 seconds come down to give the results so (coughs) after the results is released um, above 80 that's 80 it means that particular portion of that door or the door in itself it's actually unclean and needs to be checked as you can see this is 55 551, which means it's, it's highly contaminated.
28: We, have, we did a checklist. That is the manual checklist. And we did a smart uh, inspection. And then we did the ATP. That is the hygiene contamination level checks. So when we were done, he scored 69, which is two star. They would have scored three star. But the the ATP brought them down. So it means they need to work much on the touches, where people come in and touch. It means they don't clean the doorknobs, the flashing areas, and then the taps. The taps, so they need to put much uh, importance on those things, because that is where we can easily pick uh, microorganisms from.
26: I mean, those who come in every day, shouldn't they worry because of these high ratings? ATP, shouldn't they worry
29: oh no so they set up this business to take care of the community when it comes to their you know um certain sanitation or hygiene needs so they have to be be in the right condition so that when they come in they know they are safe we are doing this like i keep saying as a continuous improvement measure they'll not be worried it will rather put the operator and the cleaners on their toes and it also gives some comfort to the user so it's a win-win situation When they know that they are now two-star, and the next time they are getting three-star, they even have the opportunity to, you know, if they have to increase some of the features or things around to get them good revenues, it, it will be done. You understand? So this is good in all ways, both for the user and then the toilet operator.
22: Yes.
26: So after going through, this is where we draw the curtains and um, we, we saw that there were other assessments and other checklists that um, the public toilet facility was actually scrutinized through. And we realized that per their checks, they found a high level of contamination. That is the touching point. This exercise, she says that it will continue the next six months so they'll be coming here every six months to make sure that this exercise she says that it will continue for the next six months so they'll be coming here every six months to make sure
22: that Uh, they give an affirmative action to uh, suggest that they are happy with the way the information will be used at the later date people have a right when they are being harassed and distressed to stop the processing of their data right now these rights have been infringed upon because uh, individuals haven't found a way to complain to these uh, data controllers, the online loan app owners. Neither have we, the Commission, been able to track these uh, defaulting institutions down to hold them accountable. All this is against the Data Protection Act, uh, Section 46, that says that they must be registered with us, for example, uh, and, and, and all the principles of data protection have been breached uh, in, in this Act. Uh, well,
17: reading your, your statement. It is also significant to point out that most of these um,
2: online ensuring access to quality mental health care in Ghana is yet to be achieved despite enormous efforts made in the sector. Non-governmental organizations, citizens are...
29: It was a moment of reawakening. For how long are they going to tolerate or look over their shoulders when they see a mentally challenged person in the vicinity? That torturous incident lingers on on the minds of many who heard it, but most especially on the minds of those who witnessed that horrific act. The thought of being attacked, abused, or beaten by a mentally challenged person is an act no one would want to experience.
14: It's quite frustrating of late. Um, I do meet them. Sometimes they come towards you whilst you are walking and um, you are a little scared, especially during the nights and you feel you should run away. And when you try to, they try to follow you. It's something which is really, you know, uncomfortable. And I feel that government should, in a way, try to put them together in one place. You know... Some are very threats to life.
29: That intervention to get them off the streets was announced on March 2022 by the then medical director of the Accra Psychiatric Hospital, Dr. Pinaman Apao. She revealed the redevelopment of the facility into a 220 bed hospital was under government's Agenda 111 program. And was part of many other projects, including the construction of 101 district hospitals, six regional hospitals, and two psychiatric hospitals. The first date that was communicated to management was
21: the end of June 2022. However, updates that I got recently from the coordinator of the Agenda 111 project indicates that currently they are doing what we call technical evaluation on
29: tenders that had been submitted. But almost a year on, not much has happened in terms of a pull-down and a fixed lift. One would think the facility hosting some of the mentally challenged persons in the national capital will be rid of their presence around their premises. But that's not what we see here at the Akrasa Ekatrick Hospital with some of them reserving permanent habitations around this place, passers-by and residents are uncomfortable. So we feel very bad because it is not good for somebody to
9: carry a stone and throw another person. Even if even the person is not a madman or the person is not a mad woman. you understand, it's, we call it a little
29: violence. It's something that is not good at all, at all. Former director of the Accra Psychiatric Hospital, Dr. Kwesiose Delsing, on this development.
9: As at the time the idea came to pull down the structures and build new ones, we had got to the point where it didn't seem fitting for a facility of our age in Ghana. So the idea was to pull it down and rebuild it. Uh, All things were more or less in place, but somehow it stalled. I'm sure it's not to, totally dead. I'm sure the plans are still there. That somewhere along the line. Uh, you will get the funding to continue the program. That was it. Now, you mentioned two sac- new psychiatric hospitals. Yes, one in the northern belt, one in the middle belt. As far as I know, they are still on the drawing board. Uh, land has been secured and, and they started building them. So we hope that funds will continue to be available for them to finish building them. And if
2: And that's all in our package for you today. There's more news on myjoyonline.com. My name is Samuel Kojo Brace. Pius Kojo Baka is aptness with business life. Good evening.
28: Patronage of His Excellency, the Vice President of the Republic of Ghana, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, Ghana National College celebrates its 75th Speech and Prize-Giving Day under the theme 75 Years of Holistic Education, Natural Leaders for the 21st Century. Date, July 22nd, 2023. Time, 8 a.m. Venue, Ghana National College, Cape Coast. The celebration will be climaxed with other landmark events as follows. July 16th, Regional Church Service. July 19th, Inter-House Debate. July 20th, Nananum in Spa followed by a set down. July 21st, Football Gala. AGM, Flag Raising Ceremony and more. July 22nd, Speech and Prize Giving Day. Fan Raising Dino Dance. July 23rd, Thanksgiving Service. Swearing in new executives. Omuto Kufu Gathering. Pool Party. Nananum, enyansapu.
16: 12 ambitious talents. 11 weeks of intense grooming. 7 talents have dropped off. Now, down to the final five. Who emerges the winner for the maiden edition of Joy Prime Skews and Lyrics and goes home with the 20,000 cash prize, an all expenses paid trip to Dubai, a recording deal, and other amazing products from our sponsors TM Music, Lovette, Kwabena Mufasa, Fregan, Limwell, who wears the crown? for your favorite to glory by short code star seven one one star six zero hash join us on Saturday July 22 2023 8 p.m. at the Silicon production house Tesano, as we treat you to back to back performances and the crowning of the ultimate winner of cues and lyrics it will be a night of great music with special performances from superstar TZ mighty and the newest sensation on the music scene King Paluta come cheer your favorite to victory. Attendance is free. Guests must be seated by 7 p.m. Q Sun Lyrics is sponsored by Syntex Tank. and you strong? and you tough? A dancer travels and Ghana AIDS Commission. Q Sun Lyrics. Bring on the music. Joy Prime. Your ultimate experience.
9: Is we've had news file over. Joy
16: Prime. Your ultimate experience.
9: That we've had news viral.
22: we are still trying to bounce back and do what we know how to do best
7: okay now yeah. let's talk about uh, how did it
26: affect the industry first
22: really? it affected us massively because um, looking at you know um, when it comes to events we have the logistic companies who supplies us to do our events the dollar the foreign exchange rates everything I mean